Thank you so much for joining me for another edition of Our Family's Journey. I have a special guest with us today. Her name is Pam Bush, and she is the creator of A Mixed Life. You don't want to miss this podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Stephanie from The Learning Project. You guys, we are back again with an amazing podcast. I'm so excited to introduce my friend, my mentor. She is one of the people that I look up to. She has done so many great things and taken me along the journey. I want to introduce you to Tam Bush. She is the, um, she's got, actually, I'm not going to tell you guys because this is going to be like a surprise. It's going to be like a fortune cookie. You open up and you don't know what it's going to say. So um, if you know someone that really is looking to hear about different types of families and how to work with them take a second and subscribe like and i want you to share this good conversation i really think you're going to enjoy it and love it so tam tell us what's your passion oh goodness well thanks stephanie it's so great to be here (laughs) i am going to warn you i am at home i am a mama so (laughs) there might be a kid that might pop in so that's just hashtag mom life um So I am Tam Bush and I am just many things. Um, First and foremost, I am a child of God. I'm a faith believer, so that put that right out there. Um, My passion, I would have to say, uh, my passion is in multiracial, interracial families because I am in one. Mm. Um, So when that comes along with being an educator, being um, a creator, creative, and just with families and youth and parent development of being a better version of yourself daily. And I think that for parents in general, it's important, but um, being in an interracial family and being in an interracial marriage, I think it adds another layer of Mm. having to be bigger and better and being objective. Oh, I love this. I love this. You know, I think one of the key things that you said that I would love for us to kind of just dice it to dice it out and try to figure out how we can explain it because I think a lot of times when people are thinking about interracial families, they're also thinking about diversity. So, are the two words the same or they're are they different and if so, how do you kind of look at them in your head? I would say they are like the same difference. I mean, diversity is something that is very um, diverse. It has multiple layers and multiple facets to it. Um, When you hear it, it's almost like the word culture. When you hear culture, one might think it might be um, something that is with race, ethnicity. But I see it also, there's a home culture, there's a work culture, there's a Mm -hmm. friendship culture, there's a church culture. There are very different types of of culture. So with diversity or diverse, it has various different um, facets as well too. Mm-hmm. So can be, um, for me, it could be family. It could be how we interact with one another. It's the conversations that we have. Yeah. And the word interracial, funny enough, um, if you want to go in a historical um, aspect with it, especially here in, in the United States, that kind of seemed like a bad term. And sometimes mm-hmm. it, for me personally, it does kind of seem like it's, I don't want to say like a dirty term, where yeah. it's like, it should be like a taboo where you use words like multiracial, multicultural instead. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems a little bit more positive and maybe a little bit more inviting. But I do see them that they do hold um, almost the same weight. Yeah. But it just depends on um, how it's used in what context. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just a little fun fact for you guys, couple of things. One, when it pertains to interracial marriages, in the United States has been legal throughout the United States since 1967. It was the U.S. Supreme Court decision, Lovings versus Virginia in 1967, that held um, that this was unconstitutional. So this really hasn't been a law that has been passed throughout the United States uh, for a long time. And also, I'm really glad that you broke down what diversity and what interracial families look like, because I think a lot of times when we are trying as educators to um, interpret these terms and actually display them in our classroom and make sure that our kids have a way of connecting with culture and self in the classroom, it's very difficult, you know? Um, And I think a lot of um, children struggle with that. Um, When we talk about diversity, exactly what you said, we're looking at um, racial, we're looking at ethics, we're looking at social economic pieces, we're looking at cultural background, we're looking at lifestyle experiences and interests. That is is um, what a makeup of diversity really is. So when you are thinking about, you know, your family, 
you're thinking about history and where we are now. Um, tell me a little bit about the project you chose to develop and grow in many communities, and it's really making an impact in so many people's lives. Tell us a little bit about that, Tam. So that's something that kind of stumbled into. It's not something that I really wanted um, to go into right away. Um, like a backstory, once upon a time, I wanted to become a doctor and I wanted mm -hmm. to work with um, child and maternal health. I thought I could heal the world. <laughs> but um, little did I know that life had a way that it was healing me. Mm -hmm. and, um, and in turn, to be able to work with others. And so I may have mentioned I'm, I am an interracial marriage or multiracial marriage. My husband is white. We have three beautiful, I would say bias, three beautiful <laughs> children. And um, along and with tell, that, tell us where you're from, just because well, they, if they're not watching the video, they're not going to see you. So tell us what you, where you're from. Oh, um, I reside in Spokane, Washington. Awesome. Um, but originally I'm from the Caribbean, from the island of St. Lucia, and my husband, he was born in the U.S. and North Carolina. And then we met dead smack in the middle of the country in Lincoln, Nebraska. Long story. <laughs> um, so, um, so here we are, you know, now we have a 14-year-old daughter, a seven-year-old son, and a three-year-old son. So busy household. Um, but over time, what happened was, is I would meet a lot of parents or even just couples that they are in, you know, uh, multiracial families and so forth. And if someone happened to see our family, they would, you know, ask questions or randomly I get into conversations with people. And um, I just learned that it's, it's, you need to be empathetic. You need to um, be understanding, but also not to judge and be objective. And sometimes that's kind of hard, but you know, we're all human. It happens. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to do the most interesting thing is where Stephanie and I have connected with, I decided to go into a PhD program. <laughs> and um, I'm at Washington State University and I am studying cultural studies and social thought and education. I thought it was gonna be more about language and um, uh, like culture, cause I have a master's degree in ESL and bicultural education, but somehow I gravitated towards that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I decided, you know, let me study about interracial families. A lot of it is because of my journey. And then as over time, I started to realize that there's more journeys similar to mine. Yeah. Um, not saying it's a black or white makeup, but then there are families that are going through certain dynamics that um, unless you're in it, then you can understand it in a yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, here I am. And but then even more so, I'm actually looking more into studying about fatherhood. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it even more specific and dynamic. And so basically the research, research I'm looking at is looking at how fathers are um, raising their multiracial child or multicultural child, especially if they don't look like them. I love it. Um, and I'm making it more broad um, because um, I want it to be uh, replicable in the yeah. future Very to look at yeah. various different um, yeah. races and ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And so that's how my passion product project became um, into research and also now tying into a personal project, which um, we can get to a little bit later, you know, to yeah. talk about that. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, tell me a little bit more, you know, when we're talking about your passion, we're talking about your research that you're conducting. Um, tell me a little bit about your family story and why is it so relevant to the communities that we are in and, and around? I would have to say it's um, due to our children um, and it started with our oldest and um, you know when you have two adults you know that come together coming from different backgrounds I think that love is there and yeah. you kind of get caught in you know all that like everything's great and it's good <laughs> and it is you know but then there comes to a point where um, for me personally until you have a child then mm. it kind of changes things mm. and so our oldest when um, long story short she was three years old at the time and she asked the infamous question I was not ready well I was ready for but just not quite yet yeah yeah, yeah. And, um, she asked, what color am I, mommy? Hmm. Okay. So right away, being a creative, I said, well, you know, daddy is peach and mommy is chocolate. So you're mm -hmm. chocolate peach. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just reiterated that, that whatever or whoever tells you anything, you are nothing other but who you are, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that has stuck with her that even to this day at the age of 14, she will tell you like, look, I'm me. 
I may be part of my mom and part of my dad, but I am me. Yeah. Um, you know, as a parent, that's something that's very important that you want them to be who they are and not let anyone put labels on them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would have to say that was the start of it all, um, you know, outside of becoming a parent, you know, becoming pregnant and then, you know, going through those stages. But yeah. just that pivotal point was basically a driving force for me. Yeah. How did that conversation evolve? Because I think a lot of times when people are thinking about um, interracial families, they're like, well, you know, they've got to have, they got to understand culture. They've got to understand these different perspectives. So what are some of like maybe the challenges that you guys have faced and how have you been able to help your little one navigate in your little ones, uh, you know, uh, navigate through life by not living through a label, but understanding the context of just the world they live in. I think at home, it's more of just um, showing love and just being, um, allow our child to come to us. I mean, mm-hmm. even though you still have groundwork of having, whether it's books, um, whether if it's certain shows that they watch or certain things that they're influenced, because when they leave your home, they're going to be influenced what's there. And that's something that you don't have control over. And what you can control is that you still be loving, you still be kind, you still try to be understanding, but you're not anyone's doormat either. Mm. And um, even at home, you know, they're there. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There are sometimes some struggles even, you know, with, you know, my husband, like having certain conversations, mm-hmm. but um, we're best friends. And so we do have those tough conversations and yeah um and it's very needed so you're it's going to happen it's inevitable unless you choose not to want to have those discussions but for you know for our children we just let them know that we love them regardless but then there are tidbits of when they become of age and when things start to change that you start to have to change with them of various different things so with our oldest she is more aware of a lot of things that's going on with our younger ones not so much Mm -hmm. um and we do want to keep their innocence too but you still have to do it in tidbits as they start getting absolutely absolutely i love that you talked a lot about you know how one your um you're really breaking down when you're having these conversations. What would you say to a family that is struggling having these conversations or they don't even know where to begin with a conversation about race or about, you know, um, things that their child may um, be faced with, you know, because like you said, there's certain challenges that people don't even think about because they're not in a interracial family. So they don't have some of those challenges. So what can you, what kind of advice could you offer to a family about how to start those conversations and how to deal with those hard conversations? Well, I think though, um, um, being as a researcher, I always like look at um, whether it's my family or wherever we go as a social experiment. And I mm. think you kind of have to think of it in that way. So like, for instance, when you're out and about, take off, as they always say, they would say like the rose colored glasses, like take yeah. away those lens and look at the world differently. Mm. So if you happen to come from a different culture, a different background, and you see other people that are different from you, take the time to think of like, what would, you know, what would that person be going through that you may not necessarily be aware of, or even strike up a conversation with someone. I mean, we're human beings and we are, we need to interact. And unfortunately now with everything that's going around, it makes Mm -hmm. it a little bit more of a challenge, but doesn't mean that you cannot even try. Mm. Um, And so I think that if, if you take the blinders off of what your everyday or of your comfortability, of your comfort zone, and look outside of that, you can be able to open up your eyes to various different things. Um, we have access to the information age. There's technology. You got the you have the internet. You have so many different things. You have access to the library, even if you yeah. can't physically go there now, but you can still access things. There yeah. are a lot of things on there. there. You can research many different authors, many different um, subjects and topics that you can be knowledgeable in. So in some ways, there's no excuse not to learn about things that are outside of who you are and what mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but if you're afraid to do so don't be afraid to ask to ask people you know there are people who are willing to help uh-huh. you know if you just take the time to do so absolutely I, i'm really glad that you you offered that advice to so many people because i think that is a challenge i think that is a challenge in general you know when you're talking about how to help children find themselves their identity who they are what that looks like you know 
knowing where to go and what to do, I think is extremely important. Um, tell me a little bit about maybe some of your family struggles, like, and how did you guys overcome that? I think you talked a lot about, you know, you and your husband being best friends and being able to, you know, go work over those obstacles and work through a lot of conversations. Um, so even if you want to add, you know, what are some struggles that you feel like you're going to anticipate in the future and how you hope to, um, handle that? I would have to say um, to that, like there's research out there that whoever is what is considered more the subservient race. Mm -hmm. So in, in um, my relationship, being a person of color is that that I'm the one who would talk more about it and would probably mm -hmm. bring it up versus, you know, he would. I'm not saying he doesn't, but it's mm -hmm. more prevalent because of living that day to day. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not one to always, you know, pull out the race card, but do you have some moments when you're out and about and you're like, what? like what's going on mm -hmm. um but it's always having to save face and be the bigger better but the challenges i would have to say is like when you come from various different backgrounds and the best way that i can say like for my husband and i we're male and female that's one right there so you got to do part yeah. then you have definitely the cultural part i grew up in the city he grew up in in rural that's another you know how we were disciplined how yeah we um you know how we see things very differently and so it's like when you put those cards out on the table and when those um situations arise then how do we figure out like okay your way may not necessarily be better than my way but how can we come to it's not even a middle it's like how can we come somewhere that yeah. can work for that moment and yeah. then you know try to make it even better over time yeah. as kids grow because parenting you don't have a manual mm -hmm. i definitely don't have a manual even with this yeah so basically just taking your time with it and you're gonna fight you're gonna brawl you're gonna you're gonna have moments of that and that's expected yeah. But once again, we do come from a place of love. Mm -hmm. And since we had a good foundation and we still have a good foundation of yeah. being best friends, that helps a lot. Yes, I, I love this conversation, you guys, because I think we're not talking about enough. Right now, we're talking about how do you overcome those obstacles and those struggles? What kind of resources can you use? How do you work together as a couple to really face some of the things that you will face as a couple? I think regardless of what color you are, you're going to have struggles, right? That's something that we all that are that's universal, right? right? But there are certain things that you may face that I may not face. And does it mean that we can't offer each other advice and encouragement and be there? But sometimes you need to have like a group of people that really understand what you are facing. And this is the part where I feel like it's it's very interesting. So you created a Facebook page. Tell me a little bit about this. And really, um, it's more like a counseling center, a coaching center, a presentation center. I mean, you can get so many things um, from Tam's uh, resources. So tell me a little bit about, you know, if I'm a parent, I have a interracial family and I'm like, you know what? I just need to talk to people that kind of are going through the same thing um, and share some and get some advice and share advice as well. So uh, tell us about your page. So um, I started a page called A Mixed Life. It's um, three words, but it's together once, you know, um, a website It's not launched yet. It should be launched at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And um, basically a mixed life um, conversations of a multiracial family is the tagline. And basically, um, as of right now, I posted things like, you know, pictures of like my family and some things are just like, hey, we went to the park and other things are just um, highlighting various different things. So like the month of June, I was trying to honor my husband, you know, for Father's Day. Mm -hmm. And so there are various different things as to like how he supports, you know, me, how he's a father to our children yeah. and things like that. And it goes back to once again, fatherhood. Um, um, side note, it's like I truly believe that fathers today don't get as much of the value as absolutely. much actually do today. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm a big supporter of that. Um, but a mixed life as it's like, it's, it's slowly changing in a sense of like, looking more, um, as mentioned before, about interracial families and sharing our story as a family to others. And I don't have all the answers and I will always put the disclaimer out there. But one thing that I truly believe blessed with is to be objective. Even mm. if there are things I don't agree with, it's being objective. And sometimes we got to put our feelings and emotions at the front door and use the rational part of ourselves as to, okay, why am I feeling a certain type of way? Why is it getting underneath my skin? handle that 
put that aside and look at what your your overall outcome is. Like for me, I like to look ahead in the future. What do I want my children to become? How do I want them to become it? I want them to be their unapologetically, authentically self, mm. hands down. But what can I do as a parent to help them to get there as they journey on their own? It's not my journey. You know, I'm walking along with them and yeah. it's gonna come a time I'm gonna walk behind them. Yeah. It's their journey. Yeah. But I just can do what I can to have the tools to work on me, mm-hmm. mind mm-hmm. and heart mm-hmm. and soul as well too, whether what you believe in spiritually, um, so that I can be a better parent for them so that they in turn can be better parents when they become parents, if they choose to do so, which I'm hoping. <laughs> um, and so um, a lot of it is a lot of mind. It's a lot of mindset. You got to have a good mindset and think beyond yourself. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that you're talking about, you know, when we're creating our families or we're having our families together, it's all about that love piece, you know, um, teaching them that kindness and that connection and and embracing them and letting them know, like, whoever you are and whoever you want to be, I got you. You know, I think that's one of the most important things about family is that they people need to know that their family is for them. You know, they've got people in their family that they can connect with and then share those experiences with. Um, it's extremely important. You know, some people don't have it and it's hard, you know, because you got to work through a lot of those pieces. Um, so tell us a little bit more. What do you hope to accomplish with your uh, work that you're doing with um, interracial families? I think overall is to build a community. Um, I have uh, something that I truly believe in, I call 3C+, I think you remembered when mm-hmm. I mentioned that yep. a long time ago, where is communication, connecting, and community. Mm. Um, a big lover of language, I do believe that our language is not just by words, it's by actions, it's by yeah. what we do. And um, throw a little tag in there too, is like I'm a big um, fan of um, the Love Languages by Gary Chapman as yeah. well. It's a great book, guys, if you can get it. There's even for children as well, too. It's a good resource. Really and, quick, um, you're the second person that has mentioned this book. So if you guys have not listened to um, Dr. Shelley Meyer's podcast, you need to go and check that out. We're talking a lot about leadership and professionalism, and we dive a little bit into the five love languages. So I just want to put that in there. No, it's it is a great book. We've yeah. my husband and I we use it in our marriage, and we're you know I'm um, gonna look at that with our kids as well too. Mm-hmm. And so um, how we communicate, how do we show ourselves to our loved ones, um, whether you're biological or not, you know, um, even people you meet on every day, it's it's how we communicate that. And then once you find that communicative piece, that's how you're able to connect. Yeah. We all are connected one way or another. Even people you cannot stand in this world, we connect some way. Yeah, one way or another. That six degrees of separation, it gets smashed down to one, you know, <laughs> at one degree. You never yeah. know. And so um, by having that connection, then it builds a community. And so that's something that I truly believe with um, interracial families and multicultural children. Because um, to be very honest with you and be blunt, I struggle whenever I go to a group and it's always about like it's hair and it's about mm. skin tone and not saying it's not important for right. me. It, I want it to go deeper. It needs yeah. to go deeper into the character of the person, mm-hmm. the parent, the child, the development of the child. There yeah. are different milestones. There's so much research out there, but we're focused more and I, and I, I might get, you know, some, you know, clap back for that a bit. It's like, right. For me, it's like the superficial of it yeah. it's like yeah hair is important it is yeah but what is deeper than that right you know i think you brought up you're bringing up something really interesting here because it is a hot topic you know what i mean and i think that you know when we're looking at people you know this is a deeper situation we're tip we're talking about this is the same thing about what's going on in the world right now Yes, this is about a lot of the protests and things that are that are going on. We're talking about injustice. We're talking about um, justice for people. Um, we're talking about the inequality of people. But when it all comes down to it, this is a human being issue. It's dealing with the heart and you've got to change your mind in order for you to see me as a person, as an individual and realize that I deserve to have just as much as another person, if I'm working just as hard as another person, you know, those we're talking about 
seeing people deeper. And I think that's something that people have always struggled with. Even if we just take color out and we just have gender. If we think about women, women didn't even own their own children, nor did they own themselves. They are they were basically given to a man and they were basically owned by that man. Um, I always think about the book Anna Karenina. That's one of my favorite books because she talks about at the end there's a quote in the beginning she says vengeance is mine and, <laughs> and at first when i first read this i was like oh but you know she's really at the end of this book she chooses to love someone else be with someone else um but she can't do it so she basically for those that haven't read this book sorry but um she kills herself because she's like you don't get to control me You've taken away my children. You've taken away from everything from me. You don't get to strip me. You don't get to have power over me. And I'm going to take control of my whole life. Now, please do not do anything to yourself, y'all. I'm not saying that, okay? What I'm trying to make is a point. (laughs) Is, you, you know, there's all of these different ways that have been set up in America and all over the world that segregate people and do not, we don't see them as an individual person. That's what's so hard about a lot of labels. Do labels make us who we are? Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, they do. But for a lot of people, they don't. When I love being a woman. Anybody who knows me, like, knows I'm like a straight, like, I love being a woman. I'm kind of a <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Love, 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 love being a woman. Because I think that women have overcome so many things. So like for me, labels aren't always a bad thing or a negative thing. But when you live, you know, your life and you only see people according to labels, that's what I feel like it's bad. You know what I mean? That's where I feel like we have trouble with. And I think what you're talking about is teaching kids to not live according to a label, but allowing them to see who they are. And I think that's what your group does you know it creates this conversation on such a deeper level to help um your little ones really see themselves more than just what media says they are exactly. i don't know if that makes sense no it does make sense and the thing is so too like to add on to it on a personal level is that now um by 2050 you're going to have a lot of multi-dimensional you know mm-hmm. children especially mm-hmm. in the u.s we're not talking globally yeah. in the u.s that they have become their own identity Yes. And that, that's a struggle there too. And yep. even as a parent, I have to remind myself that even as a woman of color, my journey is not going to be the same as my children. Yeah. I'm, I'm parallel to it, but doesn't mean that what I have experienced is going to be what they're going to experience. Yeah. And believe me, my daughter has experienced some things already, even though she is just 14. Yeah. That will break a parent's heart. Wow. But she's such a strong individual that she. I won't say like overcame it because she has moments it still hurts her, but it's helped her to be stronger that she's like, that is wrong. She will call out wrong regardless yeah. of who you are or where you are or what you have. Yeah. And that's what, as a parent, I'm very proud of that. Mm, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, when you're thinking about your daughter's journey and your little boy's journey um, in the educational field, what do you wish educators knew so that they could partner better with your family? I think they should not see um, children, mine, like my own or others, that they're exotic, that mm. they are just by the phenotypical, like looking at them and mm. deeper than that. Not yeah. because they want to touch their hair, once again, the hair thing, you know, touch their hair or um, that they are just cute. You know, it's usually a lot of that. It's like, no, who are they as a person? Mm. They can can, um, hold their own. They're, you know, they enjoy sports. They enjoy a certain type of a book. They enjoy art. They enjoy, you know, watching a certain sport, you know, or don't classify because they have a part of them in like a certain DNA that they are better at other things just because. Like the Tiger Woods effect, you know? Mm -hmm. Just because he's black, why could he not play you know, sports, and even though he, you know, is a multiracial individual, doesn't mean that he shouldn't be playing basketball instead or playing mm-hmm. football. We can yeah. still do different things that's not just only to certain groups. So for me, it's like as a parent, I just want teachers, educators to see them for who they are by the name that was given to them, not by what they look like that makes them different or sets them apart from others. Woo! Um, Tam, you just dropped a mic right now because let me tell you, so many times um, 
you know, and we're just going to get real transparent because I don't think we can have this conversation without being open to it. Does it mean that you're going to agree with everything? Uh, no. no. But no. Um, does it mean that we're starting the conversation so we can sort it out and get to uh, a place where we can see different perspectives? Absolutely. You know, when you're talking about how certain people will, and I, I would even say, I don't think this is like a, a white thing. I think a lot of uh, minorities do it too, where there's like this fascination or infatuation, like, oh, your hair looks like this and it's so beautiful and your face looks like this. And I think when you, especially my, my um, one of my nieces, she was talking about being um, biracial. And she was like, you know, when you don't look like the typical online Facebook biracial person, you don't feel like you're good enough. You feel you, you start having insecurities. You start having issues because the world is constantly putting out so many messages messages about, you know, um, you know, one of my white sisters said, you know what, I'm too white. I need a tan. And then you got the, some of my black sisters that I'm too dark. I need to stay out the sun. And then you got your biracial folks and they're like, you know what, I don't look like the quote unquote biracial person that's in the media. So right. where do I fit in? You know, what do I look like? How do I fit in? How do I embrace myself? You know, and there's this huge journey right now for us to cancel these 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 expectations of what we think that or what the what what media says we should be. Exactly. You know, because we're so much more than that. You know, um, there's a huge movement going on, and we can't ignore it. When we think about overseas, and we even think about in the United States, we're talking a lot about, you know, skin bleaching creams. You know, um, right now there's a huge movement in uh, Latinx communities where they're like, no, there are dark um, Latinx people. There are light Latinx people. There are all different types of people. Um, I was watching a documentary about Brazil, um, and there was this beautiful uh, woman who won uh, the, was like a Brazilian dance, competition um mm -hmm. and they took her picture um tam and lighten her like i mean not just like a little shade like completely lighten her and she was no in brazil people don't realize that there are a lot more blacks in brazil than there are light-skinned people yes yes and it's like because there's a misrepresentation of it you know what i mean um when we see you know different people from different places even in like we talk about india even in china you know or in those asian countries we see a lot of dark people but because we don't see it and it's not in the media and it's not presented in a certain way to us we are so ignorant of it and it really creates biases it creates stereotypes and that's kind of what you know what you were kind of going into when we're talking about with educators we have to check our own biases that includes i don't care what color you are yes. you have to check your own biases because if you have strong biases about a certain group of people or a certain type of person you are going to conduct yourself in a way that is not right it's just it's just not right and it's not going to help the student grow and develop and it may not hurt them you know what i mean but you're you're continuing to perpetuate or to grow that stereotype and that bias you know and i think that's really hard for a person to have those burdens on there to try to live up to other people's expectations um and what they feel like people should see them as exactly no it's i truly believe that especially like you could either hinder or you can help and i believe mm -hmm. as educators i would think that when you go into that realm of um working with you that you go in with great intentions with really good intentions but then i think when you have various different types of students and especially when you start bringing that element in then biases comes about and that's when as an individual, like I said before, you know, as parents that are raising these children, it's like, there are gonna be certain things like, why am I feeling a certain type of way? Like, what's going on with that? It's not the child. It's something that's going on that the child represents that's getting underneath your skin that you gotta figure out and don't put that on the child. So, and that's why, you know, with the mixed life, a lot of it, it's deeper. It's, it's going into that development as an adult, as a parent, especially too, because even, I'll be honest with you, like even going into an interracial relationship and marriage, there were some biases that I had as well, too. But with that, for me, it was like looking at him as the individual and surpass that. But once you start having kids, a whole lot of stuff starts coming out. And you're like, OK, now we got to figure some things out. And I want to be better for me. 
yeah. to be better for the marriage and more importantly, be better for the children. And how can I be able to do that? Oh, this is so good. You know, I think, I think so many people are trying to figure out how to create a more inclusive environment. We're trying to figure out how do we check our biases as educators. And this is, it could be hard because when you are putting your mindset, if you're in a certain mindset and you feel like everything's going good, why would we change anything, right? It's kind of in this moment right now where we're at in our world where, you know, this is a marriage, okay, in America. And, you know, we have problems, we have issues. We have to lay all our problems out on the table at the counselor in the counselor's office. There's no option for a divorce. So we gotta figure this thing out, you know? And I think it starts with all of these small conversations and having them and thinking about them and trying to understand people's perspectives and their understanding um, and they're and checking your own understanding so that you can build your ideas of perspective so that you can say, you know what, I don't quite see it like this, but this is kind of how I see it, but I can see how you can see it, you know, being able to walk in someone's shoes. And then also assuming that, you know, just because you're a minority and that person's a minority, thinking that your, your experiences are going to be the same. They're not, they're no. just not, you know, depending on where you live, depending on how you're raised, depending on, you know, what your family makeup looks like. Education. Education. I mean, there's tons of things that can make a family look different, act different, have a different experience. And so, you know, when we're talking about family and we're looking at who they are, what they are, what are some of the things that are really important to you that you're like, you know what, as a mother, this is what my job is. This is what my passion is when it comes to working with my children. Um, I would have to say like, this is um, a short story um, that kind of pivoted and that ties into the importance. I was, when I started this road on this research, I ended up, um, a, a former college friend connected me with a mom that was, she's in an interracial marriage. She's um, black um, and husband is white, mm-hmm. two beautiful young girls. Mm-hmm. And um, we were, we never met, but we emailed back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I just told her what I was doing, you know, things like that. And so I was asking her like a few questions about certain things and she would take a while to respond. I know, you know, you're busy moms or whatever. And the email she responded back, she's like, I feel guilty. And I'm like, what do you mean you feel guilty? So to kind of backstory, her daughter, um, whenever she, they would watch movies like, um, like YouTube videos actually of weddings and things like that. But whenever she saw black men, she got scared. Mm. And so then my question I would ask her, like, do you have a diverse neighborhood, you know, church or whatever places you go to? And she's like, yeah, you know, it's semi, but it's predominantly white. I'm like, okay, you know, no judgment there. Cause I totally can understand and relate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially depending on yeah. where you live. Exactly. And so then um, she wrote back saying that she felt guilty. And I'm like, why is she fe- feeling guilty? So she took a little bit while to um, to write back and I sent her information like books. I'm, I'm big on children's books. So yeah. like, I read a lot when it comes to children's books, whether if it's parenting, marriage and, you know, especially ch- like kids books. I love kids books. Yeah. And so I gave her a few resources on that to kind of help her and, you know, just built a little curriculum together, you know, something that she can use. And um, it was like about three weeks later, she emails me back and she's like, she was sorry she took a while to email back, but her guilt had turned into something more that she had to seek help, like professional Mm. help. And it broke my heart because first I'm like, did I do something wrong? But I think what may have happened was the fact that, that the conversations we had on, um, you know, emailing back and forth and I was being supportive to be a support to her through that process, that there were things she didn't think about yeah, or may not have understood or whatever that might have been. And she took it internally. And you know, mamas, we can feel that guilt when yeah. we didn't do something we yes. thought was done well. Yes. And, um, so, but we did reconnect, um, you know, and so just, you know, trying to do my best in that way. And so, you know, using that as a backdrop, as a parent, it's very important that I know I can't do everything. I, I'm not superwoman, even though my kids might think I have a cape hiding <laughs> in the bedroom, you know, in the closet. But, um, it's very important to see their future. It's important that we continue to communicate we continue to connect and we build our community in our family and branch out to others. Mm-hmm. And it's 
but more importantly, it's it's those conversations. You know, my my oldest, like she'll be like, Mom, I'm mad about da 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 da. I'm like, okay, hold up. Yeah. Emotions are great. Let's put the emotions back a little bit and let's look at this logically. What's going on with yeah. why are you feeling this way? Well, da da da. And you'll find out it's the most simplest thing that someone may have said something yeah, or yeah. someone might have looked at her a different way or it was something that was not done that she felt that should have been done. And it turned into more than that. And what it boils down to is hurt. You know, all the things that's happening in our world right now, everyone's angry, but they're hurt because yeah. they're not being seen. They're not being yeah. heard. They're not feeling appreciated or value or let alone have a seat, not even at the table, just have a seat mm -hmm. you know, or mm -hmm. offered one or just mm -hmm. say, hey, be part of our group. If we don't have enough seats, you can still be part of our group. And so it turns into other types of emotions. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can't believe you just said that. Cause literally this morning I, on my uh, Facebook page, I um, reposted something and it said that everyone wants to be included at the table. And I think that's what's so hard. And when we're talking about the history of biracial people, you know, there's always been that, 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 that unsaid taboo thing. We don't really talk about, which is do they see themselves having a seat at the table because they are multiracial? They, it's a lot of people, exactly. A lot of people that I've talked to, they don't feel like that. Um, there's a really interesting video if you guys um, have time to watch it. It's called for light girls. And there's another one called for dark girls. And it talks about like light skin, black women or biracial people going through different things. And a lot of times people were talking about, you know, I'm, I'm too, I'm not black enough and I'm not white enough. So I have nowhere to go. Exactly. And, you know, there's always been this, you know, back and forth, you know, and within the black community, we even think about all the way back to slavery, yes. how slaves were actually divided. You know what I mean? Um, the um, lighter slaves were in the house and the darker slaves were in the field, you know? And when we're talking about that, we can't neglect that history. We can't neglect what has happened because it does cause a divide within the community. And there are so many opportunities for people to um, talk about it now. And I think we need to have that conversation and having Facebook groups um, such as yours, Tam, I think it's really important. It's really crucial for people to have a seat at the table and be able to talk about what they're feeling. One of the things that we don't talk about either is, you know, um, how many um, interracial families were um, in the past when it was not legal um, right. to have those families and what kind of things they suffered um, because they chose their family and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Right. Um, now, you know, of course, now we, we're all very much on board and it's not a issue. And, but back in the day, it was such a, a horrible thing, you know, where people were, you know, their children were taken, you know, um, some of them were killed. I mean, yeah. you don't hear those stories. You don't hear those those cries and I think it's important for everyone to have a seat at the table because it gives everybody the opportunity to tell their story and that's the reason why I always get really weirded out when people try to compare stories or compare movements your movement is your movement my movement is my movement but yeah. we're it's all our movement together you know what I mean like it's us together but everybody has a different story and has experienced something different and we have to respect those things so that everyone has a seat at the table and I love I, that and I think you you hit a nail on the head about that's a very important is respect and I and I feel that um, on a personal level, there's a lack of because mm -hmm. everyone is charged of what they feel is important. Not saying yeah. it's not important, but we need to respect others as well too. And and that's where it kind of gets mis you know guided or just like just miscommunicated, you know, yeah. one or another. And so it, it's it's not easy. It, it's definitely not easy. But getting out of your comfort zone and having those conversations is very well needed. But not many people are willing to do it. Which also, which I know you're going to be like Ooh, about Brene Brown. I love yes. Brene Brown. Love and, some Brene you know, Brown too. <laughs> right now, I'm reading. I'm daring greatly, and it you know talks about being in an arena. We have too many computer warriors out there that always got something to say, and you know you, you can say what you want to say, but those same people, are you willing to jump in that arena and take everything that's blasted at you, thrown at you, yes. you know, whether spat at you or whatever it is, and take those hits? 
that's the people that I want to be part of. And honestly, when I'm doing, that's how I feel. It's like getting into arena of a lot of different things. And when people do listen to this podcast, there are going to be some ruffled feathers. And that's what I want because you want to rock that boat and realize, okay, I may not agree with this, but let me take a moment to think about that perspective. Yeah. I don't have to agree with it a hundred percent, but take a moment to listen and yeah. learn from it. Yeah. And I think that's the, the power of podcasting is you get to hear different perspectives. You get to hear different um, ideas and concepts. And I think that's important for us to always preserve, you know what I mean? Allow people to ex share their experiences and not just um, negate them because they weren't your experiences. You know, when we think about families in the future and we think about all of the different struggles and the different things that we're going to face as families, what are three tips that you have? Even, I think this would actually, this is not one of the questions I was going to ask you, but I would, <laughs> I would like to know the answer to this or okay. what your thoughts are. So, you know, if a person is in a interracial relationship um, and they are moving forth with having a little one, what are four things or three things that you wish you would have known before you would have ch children so you could have been more prepared? I think um, definitely one is um, premarital counseling, counseling, and I don't know if there's anything out there, um, is having like premarital before having children. Or pre like prenatal, yeah, the wording for it to before you have a child, yeah, because it's wonderful to have kids, but then at the same token, if you come from two different backgrounds and then you're trying to merge these two together, yeah. you will not see the ugly and keep it real as to how you become that mama bear and you become that papa bear mm. trying to raise that baby bear, yeah. Mm. And so I would say definitely that will be number one. That kind of goes along with the marriage and along with the parenting. Mm -hmm. The second one is, um, I would say is don't be defensive. Hmm. Because um, there are many times where, like for instance, if your partner, your spouse feel a certain type of way and you just don't get it because you're like, why they're like this and why I'm like that. And sometimes it's something very simple. It's just listening and asking why yeah. and learning how to to um to adapt to their why and people will change over time you can't force the change mm -hmm. we'll learn to work together through that change mm -hmm. that'll be the second one the third one i would say is love love and hope mm -hmm. um and you have to love hard because yeah. there are moments it is not easy i mean i ha i know people that came together and they're not together anymore, divorce mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And then you're dealing with a whole other set of problems mm -hmm. than the child feeling that it's their fault or whatever it is. And that should never be placed on a child. Yeah. So you need to love hard and you need, and you need to hope hard. Yeah. And the last but not least, I mean, faith. I, I'm a faith-based individual and, you know, with God, all things are possible. So that's yeah. my belief. And so whatever your belief is, you need to hang on to that and see it through and be patient in that process. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, what's your dream for your family, Tam? Like, we're, you know, you, you're putting so many new concepts out. You're putting a lot of new resources out. Um, and you're developing so much, what is your dream for your family and maybe for other families that you are gonna work with in the future? Um, I would have to say is, um, my dream for my family is just like where God will lead. I, I, I can't say that it's, all of this is beyond me. And like I said before, I never thought that I would go down this road. So, you know, what happens, it is to happen. But I do hope that someday I could write a children's book mm -hmm. and also have like a parenting manual, but it's not like a to-do list. It's more of a support list. Yeah, well, I like that. And um, because we do need to support one another regardless of yeah. what's happening in this world. And um, I just, I, my dream for my family is to continue to love and hope that what I can be able to share through like our experiences as a family, that others can connect with it and then feel part of that family. So we can build a community in that network of support and love. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not about me, honestly, it's, it's beyond me. And I, and I like it that way. I like to, I love to pay it forward. And that's, that's just my, that's my dream. I love it. I love it. What's the one thing you want our listeners to hear 
as we close out on this podcast? Um, I would say that for any of you that are, are in an interracial relationship, dating, um, considering marriage or may have children, whether you're married or not, it doesn't matter, you know, as long as that child is filled with love, is to, as partners, stay really close connected because there's so many external factors that can disrupt it. It can be your family, it can be, you know, good friends. You know, if the two of you have a very, you learn to have a tight knit bond that nothing can break that. Because I'll be honest with you, there have been multiple moments where it could have been broken Yeah. in my journey. And so, um, and luckily for us, we're best friends. We had a really good foundational relationship yeah. that, you know, some days I'm like, do you want me to talk to you as your best friend or do you want me to talk to you as your wife? <laughs> and so having that opportunity really helps, but you would want to have a strong nucleus for all you geeks out there, the strong bond that nothing can break that. And then once that is held together, then everything outside of it should not rock it. And you'll have moments, but it should not rock it that you stay connected and you work together. So. Oh, this is so beautiful. Uh, Tam, I cannot even thank you. You guys, if you know someone that is really needing some type of support right now, I want you to, I always say this, don't give them chocolates, don't give them flowers. <laughs> Send them this podcast to feed their soul. They need that. You do not understand how many times people just need to hear somebody that is relating to them. They, they're going through the same thing that they're going through and they just need to find a place where they can connect. And it's so crazy how our world is to now like Facebook pages. I mean, they are people's life and their connection and it really helps them to succeed and grow and just be the best version of themselves. So Tim, where can we find you? If somebody's like, you know what? I want to talk to her. I want to join this face group page. Where do they go to find you? So as of right now on Instagram, I'm on a mixed life family. Couldn't get the mixed life. Someone got it. So it's a mixed life family. That's good. On Facebook, a mixed life family as well. And um, I'm on Twitter as well. A mixed life fam. And, um, my website is going to be coming out at the end of the month called amixlife.com. Awesome. And definitely we'll have the, the links given to Stephanie so you can catch me there. And I am working towards to actually have a, um, a private group on Facebook. Love um, it. Specifically on those type, like just conversations, because it's, I want it to be a safe space where you can have it where it's deeper like i said before then you know what the common things are out there it's not saying it's not important but there's something to be said about going even more deeper That's to exactly. have that network of support you know absolutely i love this you guys don't worry we're gonna have all the links below this podcast you guys i hope that you had a really great time with us today just taking this time out just to reflect and think about how to be a better version of you you know um if you want more information about the learning project you can go to www.tlptraining.com um you guys thank you so much again remember to give back to your community make sure that you take care of yourself and I will see you guys soon. Bye. Bye.